Good morning to Steve Vines. How are you? And what a coincidence. I've just come out of an elevator. Well, I... But I'm exaggerating. <laughs> very rare these days in this building, that's for sure. They've, you know, they've still got, still got this uh, dumb waiter thing. Uh, and I don't know if the label's still there, but uh, on the next floor up from the sort of production uh, floor, yeah. uh, there used to be what was the pantry. Ah, yes. Which is where, you know, the, the tea maker used yes. to live. And next to the pantry was it was a memo which dated something about 1965, you know, printed out on a Gestetner machine, <laughs> stuck next to this this little lift that they have. I don't know if it's still there or not. But anyway, I as thought an aside... I when you were talking about dumb waiter, you were going to start talking about Henry Tang. But no, sorry, <laughs> I, I, that's, that's completely... Well, of course, uh, last time we did speak, and it was a few months back, uh, Wifegate, of course, was, was very much in well, the... Well, that's uh, right, and it's kind of come back mm. in the news again because we've just seen yesterday the acquittal of... Um, three people who were responsible for the construction of the infamous basement that was all Mrs Tang's fault, in case anyone's yeah. missed that. Well, Henry didn't know Henry, nothing about I knew nothing. I knew nothing, <laughs> sir. Um, and um, what has not been widely reported, and maybe the key to their acquittal, is the extraordinary deal that the Department of Justice evidently did with Mrs Tang. Deal? Oh, yes, I know, I know, I know, I know. I say it was just frightfully improper, but uh, these things happen. Um, when, if you remember, she she pleaded guilty to certain charges and was fined. Yeah, one hundred and ten thousand or something is altogether. Anyway, I think it was the equivalent of Henry Tang's breakfast bill, something <laughs> like that. Um, anyway, okay. um, um, and part of the evidently part of the deal was that she didn't have to give evidence in this case. Now, that made it extremely difficult because, I mean, these people, after all, were contractors to the guilty party, Mrs Tang, and yet the person who ordered the construction of this illegal structure, and, and, and we don't need to sort of say alleged illegal structure anymore because Let, it Let's just clear one thing up here. This is not a little bit of a shed on somebody's roof. We're talking about a massive undertaking. That's right. I mean, the, 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 the I entire... Mean, floor area of a very large house in, in Kowloon Tong, which for some reason Henry Tang had never noticed was going on there. I mean, I believe that. Some people are more cynical no, than me. But anyway, but the point is that if she couldn't give evidence, or, or if she had done a deal with the Justice Department so she didn't need to give evidence, it was a very hard case for the prosecutors to make, because they had nobody to um, come forward and say where the orders came from and at what time the orders came from for this illegal structure to be made. This is actually quite astonishing that this I'm should have been to get allowed. get my head around it as you've just explained it to me. It doesn't make sense at Well, all. it doesn't make sense to a lot of people in the legal profession either. And there was some disquiet over this. Mm. Um, as I say, very little of this, if any, has come to the surface in, in the print media anyway. So I... I I'm not very surprised that these three men were acquitted, yet there is no question over the fact that they constructed an illegal structure. So um, the average punter is going to sit there and think, oi, this is a bit odd. I wonder if we were to sort of uh, go through the records of people who have been brought before the beak to see what illegal structures they had and what happened to them. <laughs> Well, there was the former chief executive, Donald Jung, but he's got other problems. Uh, um, it's all the about, current... you know, you Joe Blow. You, you yeah, sort no, of well, I'm, but I, but I'm just talking about the mm. great and the good. Sure. I mean, he had one. Um, 
and of course the current chief executive Lan Chung Ying. Mm. Um, I, I remember the pictures of him showing people his legal structure. Um, no action has been taken there. If you go to where I live in Sai Kung and you erect a canopy outside your house, and you can imagine what an enormous effect this has on the community in Tin Soi Wai, um, you'll have you'll have a bevy of inspectors breathing down your neck. Very too sweet. I speak from personal experience, so I know this is so. Um, if you are the village chief and you knock down a whole house down the road, as he did, and built another one without permit, mm. um, oh, that's right, um, we, we never saw that, we can't do anything about it. So there's a terrible case of selective vision going on here. Somebody brought to my attention, as you mentioned, Sai Kung, uh, between Taiwan Village, you know, where the Dong is, uh, and above uh, that village, which is San Yu, uh, there's a footpath. Well, there used to be a footpath. There's a sort of footpath, uh, yes. It's now been... Well, it's actually gone through different phases. It started off as, as a road being bulldozed through from a San Yu lower uh, car park down to these empty... Uh, there's a row of empty apartments above uh, Taiwan Village. And uh, then next day, the, the whole slope, all the vegetation had gone, the trees, the bushes, everything that used to keep the slope in one piece was gone. Then I went down there the other day, and it looks like the North-South Korea divide. The government's come along and put up two uh, parallel lines of chain-link fencing, uh, thus sort of uh, locking in the bulldozers and all the plant equipment that's down there. And to tell you the truth, it looks like an absolute war zone. Well, you know, the ways of the um, lands department are weird and wonderful. And uh, it's so far above my pay grade to try and explain them. But but you're, you're talking about one instance about of many, many mm. in the New Territories particularly, which just end up in weirdness. I mean... I, I, I used to think this was all malice, that, 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 they, that the Lands Department was conducting a war against the countryside, you know, that no tree was too big for them to dislike, no blade of grass too green for them to want to exterminate. But I now think, and I think you need to be fair, I now think this is mainly incompetence. I don't think they actually do have an ideological disposition against trees and grass. I think that, that the... That the great theory of government that always applies, i.e. the theory of cock-up, is the one that you need to look at. And I strongly suspect that what you're talking about mm. is precisely a product of that, you know, oh, shall we, shall we, shall we, shall we, oh, all right, let's put up a fence, oh, let's do this. Net result, a mess. Well, there is an interesting PS to this, and it's only, as I've been told, so I'm not suggesting for one moment that, that it's absolutely 100%. Uh, but I have been told that, that if people actually get away with building the road without being caught. So the road's already been finished and done, and then suddenly the government goes, oh, there's a road on our land. Apparently you can do a deal. I've only been told this now. Yeah, I wouldn't I know for one I, I moment. I don't know. You know. I mean, I've heard this. Uh, I, it's not clear. Okay. It's, not it's not clear, clear. but, uh, yeah. but it, uh, it is there, a fact there, that there people have... There are precedents for roads being mm. um, dug up again. I, I don't know about I this. don't know either, and it is, you know, it, mm. it is an accusation more than, uh, than anything else. But coming back to where we started, and that is that, you know... Why can't we have a list uh, of, of sample cases? We're talking about illegal structures now, and again, not the shed on the roof, but, you know, the, the massive sort of quarry underneath Kowloon Tong. 
there must be some sort of comparison. There must be some sort of guide. Well, there isn't. That's the point. There isn't. I mean, the the if you talk to the lands department or or whoever, they they will just tell you. Um, well, you know, we, we, one reason, of course, they tell you they don't keep records is because they don't keep records. So that that bit's true. A few people don't they, keep records, do they? Yes, but, councils. Well, they should do. Um, but anyway, um, but 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 what they'll just say to you is, well, you know, we can't. Every time I've had them round, and I say, how come you can see this tiny little infringement, but you can't see the big one down mm. the road? Mm. They say, oh, that's nothing to do with us. It's nothing to do with us. So you say, but isn't it weird that if you're a village chief, you can do what you like? If you're a small punter living in a village, mm. you're subject to the full force of the law. And they just refuse to talk about it. So I can guarantee to you there will never be such a list. There will never be a visible and transparent record of what the lands department does in enforcing the law and not enforcing the law. That's a fantasy. I, I wish it were, were otherwise, but it's a fantasy. It's not. It ain't going to happen. But as you mentioned, you know, we started off talking about Henry, and that was just as, as, as an aside about yeah, the uh, yeah, poor old Henry. Anyway, but he's he he's he came back to life yesterday. I mean, you know, I know this is cruelty to dumb animals, and he he said, "Oh, I've got a plan for political reform." And you know, the man is so dumb; it's just unbelievable. He says, well, it's not really the plan that I like, but I'm presenting it anyway because it's realistic. Well, here you go, Henry. This is how it works in politics. If you have a plan, you present the plan that you think is the good one, not the one that you think isn't the good one. <laughs> but anyway, you know, we, we, we can't help that. I mean, they're all out there at the moment. There's Henry with his little plan that he already says isn't good, but it's the one he's presenting. You've got Alan Zeman popping up yet again. Yeah, he says he's holding back Hong Kong's development of yes, the Yes, LegCo is holding back. And, and his killer point, which I really love, is... And look, look, Shanghai's going to have a bigger Disneyland than Hong Kong. Well, here's a secret, Alan. Mm -hmm. Did you know Florida has a bigger Disneyland than Washington? But the government still functions in Washington. New York is still a more important city than Orlando. You know, I mean, it's funny that you get these people who indeed have a speciality and an ability in one sphere, in his case it's the entertainment sphere, whose views on, on politics and other things are, are, are treated by the people who like to treat these things in this way as being, you know, an authoritative view from the business community telling us what's what. And they're complete and utter holics. You know, I mean, the comparisons that he draws are, are just so meaningless that it's not worth talking about. And, of course, what he doesn't say... And what none of these people say is, oh, that Legco, oh, that Legco's no good. But, Alan, Legco has no power. It only has blocking power. Legco cannot initiate legislation. Members who are elected by the public have practically no power except to stop things happening. So if you don't like the way Legco functions, mm -hmm. take it to its logical conclusion and turn it into a proper law-making body. But they go, oh, oh, oh don't, don't, don't know about that. That seems a bit difficult. Mm, let's just talk about Disneyland. There's a quote, because uh, in, in he's in the South China, I guess you probably know that already. Uh, there's a quote which says that while Zeman noted the unpopularity of the government, he defended Leung, saying, CY is trying to do his best. People don't have their own homes, so they blame the mainlanders, saying they've grabbed all the resources. <coughs> the reality is we have no land, and when you propose to take out Greenland to build houses, the environmentalists go crazy. 
But this this is the old, old lie. We have no land in Hong Kong. We have plenty of land in Hong Kong. The question is, how is it allocated? I mean, I, I don't know. I just get so weary with hearing this old, old nonsense. It's always a question of allocation. It's not a question of geography. Um, it's no revelation that Hong Kong is small. but And it's no revelation that most people want to live in the so-called crowded areas. Mm. But there is actually enough land. I mean, that's that's not the issue. The issue is, how do you distribute it? Why does the government have a consistent policy of only auctioning off land to the big cartels so that they dictate effectively the entire price of um, land development in Hong Kong? All of these are the big questions. It's not, oh... Oh, Hong Kong's a very small place. It doesn't have any land. That, that's just nonsense. Well, they're digging up golf courses next, apparently. No. No, that's no, what that, I heard. That, that, I, 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 I'm, I'm off to the UN. What's it on human rights? <laughs> that, that's just terrible. I, gosh, people won't have their human right to play golf. Talking about that, and just very quickly before we take a break, Hu Jintao made the press as well, I noticed. Now, this was a classic of reporting <laughs> that I saw today. I'm sorry, it was again in he the South China Morning Post. He made a rare public appearance. He made a rare... Now, President Hu, whose name... Um, is phonetically spelt as H-U, but many people uh, spell as W-H-O, um, indeed did appear yet again. Um, and he went to the Hunan... Was it Hunan University? I think it was. And he um, he said nothing. Not one word. And there's a whole article in the Post saying, ooh, this is very significant. He was wearing dark clothing. He well, may or may not have been... says here his appearance was an indirect way to voice support for the current state leaders. Well, how do you know that? I mean, this tells you more about the level of reporting on mainland affairs than it does about the price of lollipops. <laughs> it's just nonsense. He, the, the simple fact of the matter is the man didn't utter... A single word in public. Mm. Who knows what he said in private? Certainly the reporter in this particular instance. So you fill that void of absolutely no information whatsoever about what who is doing, why he went there, what he said in private, with all this speculation. Oh, he may have been supporting the opponents of the government. He may have been strengthening Xi Jinping's regime. I mean, this is... This is Mickey Mouse might reporting. Might have dropped by for a game of Mahjong later or something. It yeah. might have been a free cup of tea. Who, who knows? <laughs> All right, we're talking with Steve Viner, as we normally do on the Morning Brew here on uh, Radio 3. And we're going to take a little break. Play a song, then we'll one. And as usual at this time... Here on Radio 3, we chat with Steve Vines. And uh, just before the little break at there with a couple of tunes and the news and stuff, uh, we touched on, uh, and it's been in the news quite recently as well, uh, certain pesticides being removed from the banned list from the mainland. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is a, a remarkably graphic example of what happens when you have a supine government here in Hong Kong that's supposed to be looking after the interests of the people of Hong Kong but when an official from the mainland says um, anything, instead of saying just, yes, sir, they say, yes, sir, three bags full. Now, this is a matter which directly relates to the health of Hong Kong people. Mm. And it's about pesticides that are used on vegetables that are imported into Hong Kong. Now, they were reviewing this, and the mainland said, oh, well, we widely use these three pesticides... Therefore, we want them exempted from the list of prohibited pesticides on vegetables. And the government said, 
well, if you say so, that's that's fine with us, sir, a comrade. Um, and, 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 you know, it's now been brought up in LegCo, and their mm. pathetic answer to the criticism is, oh, well, we also consulted uh, the Americans and maybe it was the Canadians, who knows, and um, uh, uh, therefore it's an international matter. Oh, come on, boys. The truth is... You didn't. You may well have spoken to the Americans and the Canadians and and the Rwandans, for all I know. But the fact of the matter is that 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 the actual action that was taken in removing a layer—I don't know how significant a layer—but removing a layer of protection relating to food safety. This is a pretty important subject. Was taken on the insistence of officials from the mainland. Now, this is one very clear and graphic illustration of what happens when you have an administration whose purpose in life seems to be to behave itself when it comes to dealing with officials from the mainland even if it means even if it means to the detriment of the health of the people they are supposed to be governing and you know this whole this i mean we have to laugh now but this whole lie that 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 somehow the internal affairs of hong kong are actually governed by the hong kong government even in healthcare, even in food safety, we find that, that one word from the mainland is enough to, to change the policy. I think people need to be more aware of this because it's, it's really quite ominous. Well, a lot of other things uh, just slip through my mind as, as you mentioned this. Uh, and, and again, you know, the pub's always a great place to talk about politics because people do have their sort of uh, own ideas, whether they're actually good or bad or indifferent is neither here nor there. Uh, but, of course, we mentioned this earlier on about mainlanders coming here and, you know, these the sort of uh, two-way permit holders mm. and stuff like that. And it was suggested by one person uh, who said, uh, and they're quite knowledgeable on local affairs, who said, well, it's only going to be a few years away before they open the borders between here and Shenzhen and Shenzhen and Hong Kong and Zhuhai will become one big economic zone. Well, I mean, that's what people fear, of course. I, I'm not entirely persuaded that's the case. Mm. And I'm also not entirely persuaded by all these scare stories about, you know, 100 million mainlanders flooding over on Tuesday the 13th of January, whatever year it is. The, the fact of the matter is... That, that one reason why there's so many mainlanders coming to Hong Kong is that they want to travel outside of China, and the only place they're actually right. able to go to is here. Sure. As, the, as more passports are issued to mainland citizens, you can bet your life that their first destination will not be Hong Kong. It will be where they can go to on the newly issued passports. So, you know, a lot of this is scare, scaremongering and scare so talk. Yeah. But I think... The, the, the reality, what we shouldn't be um, complacent about are all the smaller signs pointing to a reality that, that in all kinds of matters where Hong Kong should have autonomy, that autonomy is being whittled away. And, you know, this is an example we're talking about which concerns food safety. I mean, who really would have thought 10 years ago that when it came to food safety, the first people... That the health department here would listen to would be mainland officials, bearing in mind the very high and impressive levels of food safety that prevail on the mainland. And if you believe that, you will think Henry Tang's a genius. But, you know, I mean, this is just nonsense. It really is.
Let's move on to something, uh, as you know, of course, uh, amid uh, great pomp and ceremony, Ariana arrived in the Territory with her entourage, and, you know, I'm not taking the mickey here, this is a very, very serious story, and I think that, you know, the, uh, the, the uh, treatment that she's been given... Uh, as we've seen from the pictures, is horrendous. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's... But the thing that I touched on Harvey with, and I'd just like your take on this, is the Indonesian uh, consulate almost insisting that she stayed with them, and according to a quote, as I recall, when Harvey was on last Tuesday, as police spokesman said, that it, it was for her safety. Well, let's just remember what this is, because mm. um, memories can be short, but this was a particularly... Um, um, appalling case of abuse um, inflicted by two employers who are now standing trial for that on a domestic helper who was, I mean, you, you know, there's no dispute about this, who was extremely badly injured, was malnourished, left Hong Kong for treatment back home in Indonesia because um, obviously she was in, she was in no state to work. But, you know, her, her, her Health was in, in, in very big question. Now, she comes back to Hong Kong. I mean, this is the extraordinary thing about this. She comes back to Hong Kong as a witness in the trial of her former employers. I mean, you would have thought she would have been well treated. But no, she arrives at the airport with her father and she's told her conditions of stay in Hong Kong. Remember, she was invited back. Mm. To, to give witness. She didn't say, I want to come back. She was invited back. They said, your conditions of stay is you must, you must reside in the Indonesian consulate. The very consulate that had failed to give her any assistance at the time when she most needed it. And now the Indonesians are so worried about what she will say when she gives her evidence that they're saying, oh no, you can't have your own lawyer. We will supply the lawyer. I mean, what is happening here? Now, the, the, the um, people who work with migrant workers, first of all, offered her somewhere to stay. That's right, yeah. And they were told, no, she can't go there. They already have a lawyer on hand who's been assisting her. And to be told, well, we don't, you, you can't use that lawyer. I mean, you would think, as a minimum, the courts would say, this is unreasonable. This woman has come here as a witness. And after the horrific experiences she had, or even if she didn't have horrific experiences, as a witness, she should be treated with respect. None of this seems to be happening. And, you know, the, 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 the attitude from the Hong Kong authorities is safety, doing our best. Well, it's not good enough. I'm sorry. It really isn't good enough. Well, it was suggested by, uh, I think his name's Scott, <clears throat> who sent an email uh, referring to a story in The Standard uh, on Tuesday. Uh, and his, his uh, suggestion was, was that, you know, the, the Indonesian consulate was more interested in their investment, i.e. in the money that's being returned by maids in total as opposed to just one individual maid. And I think even Oriana... Uh, was quoted as saying that uh, she didn't want to stay at the consulate because they had yet to prove their sincerity towards her. Well, exactly. As I say, I mean, these were the very same people who, when she needed their help, <clears throat> didn't come forward and give it. Mm -hmm. So why, would, why on earth would she want to stay on their premises? She doesn't. She wants to stay in a shelter. But the Hong Kong authorities, instead of saying to the Indonesians, well, you know, on your bike, son. She's come back here as a witness. Um, where you want her to stay is irrelevant. So they've they've created this bogeyman of it's to do with her safety. 
from who? From whom, from exactly. Mm. Is it from her two former employers? Is it thought that these are such dangerous people that even now, while they're on trial, they're going to send a hit squad to, to, to go and get... I, I mean, you know, it really doesn't make so sense. So what do you think is going on, then? I think it's the usual... It's the usual attitude of bureaucrats. Oh, this is an insignificant little person from Indonesia. We, we can push her around. The Indonesian authorities, no doubt, have very heavily insisted that they want her under their control because they are very afraid mm. of people knowing how shoddily they have dealt with their own citizens in trouble in Hong Kong. And instead of the Hong Kong authorities being robust and saying to them, the status of this woman in Hong Kong is she's been invited by the Justice Department to come here to give evidence in a criminal trial, and you actually have no standing, which indeed they don't in this matter. They, they're saying, oh, well, you, you, you Indonesian concert people, you're very important, she's very insignificant, so we'll listen to you. Mm. I, I mean, this is a terrible attitude. It really is. It does make me wonder um, what potential people in Indonesia and the Philippines are actually thinking, because this is not an isolated incident, is it? Well, uh, uh, lamentably, it's not an isolated incident in Hong Kong, mm. Singapore. in Singapore, mm. in Saudi Arabia, anywhere that sends large numbers of people as domestic helpers, unfortunately has an experience of abuse and maltreatment and all sorts of bad things happening. If you've never had this experience as one of these people, it must be quite terrifying in a it, way. It must be. I don't know how well it's publicised. Mm. Ariana's case was extremely well publicised in the Philippine media. But it tells you how desperate these people are for work and for a better standard of living, that they are prepared to take the risk and go. I mean, let's also look at the other side of the coin. It's, this doesn't happen to the majority That's correct, yes. of, of, of domestic workers. And I've seen some uh, people who've had a great experience here, both the yeah, families and, yeah. and, and the workers. So, you know, it doesn't mean axiomatically mm. that when you go to Hong Kong or Saudi Arabia that you're going to be abused, but it is a, it is a definite risk. And what is distressing is the level to which the authorities here don't treat this as a serious matter. I mean, even if it is less than 1% of the domestic helpers who come here who are abused, that, to me, seems like 1% too many. Mm. Now, you can't eradicate you, like, you can't eradicate crime, but you can make it a big issue. And when people complain, and this is the really crucial thing, when they say... I have been assaulted by my employer, my employer hasn't paid my wages for the last three months, whatever. Mm. These people should be listened to, and that's what's so distressing about it, is the way that they're just brushed aside. Oh, you Filipinos, you're always complaining. You Indonesians, you're always complaining. It's, it's not good enough, but it is the attitude. And anecdotal evidence of this is so extraordinarily massive that, that you can't ignore it. Well, there were, you, you mentioned Singapore uh, earlier on. I, I can tell you right now, there was a there was a newsreader there, TV newsreader there, uh, a female who who was actually done for mistreating her maid, and it was quite horrific what she was doing. And she was chained to a water pipe and made to yes, crap I believe on the I paper. Read this. And, terrible she got, stuff. I think, she got about two years in yeah. prison or something. Anyway, she's she's back in uh, TV again, well, al that's although good. not not in Singapore. Really? And I was quite surprised to see her face, but there you go. Yeah, charming, then done charming the climb, individual. Yeah, well, you could argue that. Yeah, yeah. Has she learnt the lesson? That would be perhaps the question you need to ask. Mm. But anyway, I mean, this is um, this 
this doesn't reflect well on Hong Kong, it doesn't reflect well on Indonesia, but we're in Hong Kong, so we should focus on the Hong Kong side of it, I would have thought. I'm sure a lot of people are waiting to see how this is all going to pan out, uh, and the trial, of course, well, the where trial, these of allegations course is, is, is what yeah. they are at the moment, yeah. of course. So. Yeah, well, let's see how it pans out. But mm. um, unfortunately, what we know ahead of the trial is that one of the star witnesses is not being treated with any degree of respect. Right. That's not good. Okay. Uh, of course, a lot of things happening in Taiwan, yeah. ongoing. Yes, I mean, this is the... Um, every every movement has to have a name. This one's been dubbed the, the, the sunflower yes. movement. Um, I mean, what interests me about it is, is, is several things. But, of course, because we're sitting here in Hong Kong, I'm very interested in the Hong Kong response. I mean, you have all these people saying, oh, you see what happens. You have democracy in a Chinese society... And you have chaos. Well, actually, that's not true. You don't have chaos. You have the legislative yuan occupied. People keep saying occupied by students. It's not only students, but never mind. Let's not let the facts get in the way of the story. Um, so, yes, the legislative yuan has not been functioning. Is Taipei functioning? Oh, yes, it is, actually. Is the rest of Taiwan functioning? Oh, yes, it is. So where exactly is the chaos and what is the root cause? I mean, the same people who are so gleeful in announcing, you know, if Hong Kong had democracy, we'd have this. Well, if Hong Kong had democracy in the way that Taiwan moved from being a dictatorship to a democracy and enjoyed unprecedented levels of economic growth, which is exactly what happened following the dawn of democracy in Hong Kong, would people here not like that? I think they probably would. Would they like the idea that even very powerful people in the government can be called to account and called before the law in the way that the former president of Taiwan, Chen Sui-bian, was sent to jail. It's a reflection of the fact that the judicial system in, in Taiwan is working and it will not be put off by the high status of the people who come up before the courts. So for those people who say, and this is a terrible, terrible thing to say, and the anti-democrats have this habit of doing it, that there's something genetically wrong with Chinese people that they can't cope with democracy. I mean, it's so insulting. It's, it's amazing that they keep saying it, but that's what they seem to be saying all the time. So to those people, they have to say, look at the Taiwan experience in the whole. Has it been, on the whole, good or bad for Taiwan? Mm. Ask anybody in Taiwan, do you want to return to the Kuomintang dictatorship? And you will be in a very small room on your own. And, of course, the great joke, well, it's not a joke, but it is a, a reality, is that the very famous one country, two systems was devised by Deng Xiaoping with mm, Taiwan with in Taiwan mind. In mind right. Hong Kong and, to a lesser extent, Macau were seen as little places where this could be tested out. But his real target was Taiwan. And if you mention to anybody in Taiwan, hey, boys, what do you think about one country, two systems? They'll say, huh, look what's happened in Hong Kong. We're not having any of that. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, you know, um, let's look at this picture in the full. Mm. It's very interesting that, that the, the thing which triggered the um, Sunflower Movement was a, a trade pact. You know, normally trade pacts um, go to page straight to page 79 of the newspapers and nobody reads about them. But, of course, in, in Taiwan it's very sensitive because this is a trade pact with um, the mainland. Mm, yeah. And you've got all these learned commentators saying, well, you know, these people are very stupid because actually it would have been very good for mainland economy. Well, 
I'm not sure that is so, but even if it is so, isn't it interesting that so many people in Taiwan value their liberty higher than they do, you know, trade advantages? Um, if that is so, it shows that the yearning for liberty is quite enormous. Could you ever see that happening here? Just, you know, sort of a gang of uh, alleged students taking over LegCo or things like yes, that? Yes, I suppose it could happen mm. here. I mean, if, if you have a political system that simply will not listen... In the end, people's level of frustration boils over. I mean, let's see what happens with Occupy, Occupy Central. Central, exactly, Central, yeah. 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 All right, well, it's always a pleasure, Steve, and it's one of the highlights of my uh, doing the show for uh, Mr Whelan, of course, is I get to chat for Stevie for an hour. Steve Vines, 